Hello and welcome to the latest Forever Blue podcast. Uh, my name is Ian Cheeseman and this is all things Manchester City in one neatly packaged podcast. Share it with everybody, retweet it, do whatever you can, let everybody know. It's free to subscribe, by the way. And if you click all the right buttons, that means every single time we do one of these, it just pops into your inbox. And of course, we're downloadable on iTunes, Spotify and SoundCloud, where it's uh, hosted. As always, um, I have a star guest. No, it's not Paul or Mark, and no offence to Paul or Mark, but uh, Gary Owen is our, st- our star guest today, former Manchester City midfielder. But I have Mark Todd from City Matters. I have Paul, my travelling companion to, to um, away European games, uh, and pal anyway, and very good mechanics. So there you go, I've got the plug in as well. So everybody <laughs> gets a mention. So thanks very much for joining us. Uh, we're sponsored uh, by Howard Solicitors. Uh, we're very grateful to that. They have offices through Greater Manchester and Cheshire. They specialise in areas of law that affect the individual. So it's likely that if you need some help or guidance, there'll be somebody who can help you. Uh, Their email address is fairly simple, law at howardsolicitors.com. They can have a look at their website, which is howardsolicitors.com. And in the middle, Howards and Solicitors, two S's. So it's easy to remember, Um, but very much recommended by me. And thanks very much for their support. Now, we've got a couple of things that we particularly need to talk about on this podcast. First of all, we have to talk about the amazing football that City are playing at the moment and their prospects in the Champions League semi-final second leg against Real Madrid and the four league games to come. Uh, We'll talk about that in just a second. And also, particularly, but not just because Mark Todd is with us from City Matters, uh, it is very topical this week talk about the price um, uh, of the new season tickets which have been announced this week. Uh, we've also seen sneak previews of the new kits, so we can talk about that if you like, but uh, we certainly we can talk about the season tickets because everybody who's a match goer will be affected by that. So that's to come a little bit later on. Let's start with the two games, Gary, that we've seen in this particular week. We saw an amazing game on Tuesday night against Real Madrid. I know it seems like it was a longer ago, but actually it was only last week. Mm. Uh, for me, it just blew me away. Now, I've seen some City fans saying they were frustrated, that they were disappointed. Um, City did win the game 4-3, and it was stunning football from both teams. How do you assess it? Do you, were you frustrated? Did you enjoy it? What would you say? Um, I obviously enjoyed it because we won. So every time we win, I enjoy it. But I think it was... Um an opportunity that was spurned a little bit because I think this this second log one, uh, this second leg in Madrid would have been uh, would have been like a holiday for everybody going over there and and it won't be now when we go there we'll all be a little bit nervous when you go in it I mean Madrid are not the Madrid as they were I'm sorry but I I have to say it. they're not the Madrid that they were Benzema, of course, he's scored 40 goals this season. He's dangerous. He's 34 years of age, OK, but his goal scorer tells you. But his goal scoring is in the Spanish League, not in the Premier League. And I'm not taking it away because it's the hardest thing in football is to score goals. You've got Modric, who's the playmaker, really. He's 36. He doesn't have the legs as, as he did. He's a clever player, of course, uh, but he doesn't have the legs that he did. Uh, and then you've got Vicensis, who is probably the most dangerous player. And, you know, it's a shame that Kyle Walker won't be fit because Kyle Walker would have bullied him. There's no two way, like he did with uh, Zaha at Crystal Palace. No matter what pace you've got, he can match you. His strength, he bullies you, pushes you, he, he collides with you. And he will, he will be missed because I think the two players that concern me is obviously Benzema, even though he's 34. He does score goals. They're at home and Vicentis because of his pace and his trickery. Um, you can't play as much as I love... Uh, Fernandinho, you can't you can't match him up against him uh, as a right back. Um, so Cancelo will probably play there. He'll have his work cut out, uh, Cancelo. But equally, Vicentis will, if he's going to have to track him back, which he probably won't, because Cancelo likes to get forward. He'll be a good weapon for us going forward. But we scored two goals in 13 minutes, I think it was. First after five, Kevin puts us in forward. Then we get the second. Really, at that point, we had them. We had them on the rack. No two ways about it. And he actually spoke to some of you who stood beside me and said, the next goal is vital. They get it. It's a different game. We get it. And this game can be any score. It can be five. It can be six. It can be any score. And we will finish this tie now. And then, obviously, they got, which was, which was a harmless cross into the box. 
I'm sorry, uh, I don't know what the guy's name, but it was a it was a ball put in. It's got to be 12 yards out on his not natural right foot, on his left foot, and he just gets in front of the uh, of the defender. I think it might have been Zinchenko. Gets in front of him and just guides it into the bottom corner. You've got to be goal side of him. You've got to have the goal. You've got to have the ball in between in between yourself and Benzema. He didn't. He got in front, and that was sloppy because you could see the ball was coming in. Had enough to adjust. Had enough to get yourself ready to just um, get yourself into a position where you can at least get some sort of challenge on it. And it was a soft goal uh, to give away. Okay, and then we get back in front again. We get three go, three one, two goal advance again. We get pegged back. We get to four two, and then we get pegged back. I mean, the ruling is, I think, it, if it comes off your head and it hits your arm, then it's not a penalty. But it was a penalty because his arm was in an un- unnatural position. It was above his head, so as he headed it, he headed it onto his arm. So for me, there's no argument with that. It's a penalty. But to have the bottle that Benzema had. To do that, the Panenka, when you're four-two behind, and he misses that. I mean, really, a schoolboy if he stands on his line and doesn't move. I mean, that's easy to, to say that, but you wouldn't expect him to do what he did. He would have caught it. There's no power, no nothing, and and to have the bottle to do that just shows the confidence he's playing with at the moment. So they get the penalty four-three, and now we've got to move over the goal advantage. But right, the positive side of this is, I am more than confident to go anywhere to play anybody if they give us a goal start so I'll be there on, on Wednesday to turn them on and I'm happy to go with an advantage I think it should have been two or more but it isn't but give me a one goal start against anybody I don't care where we play anybody a one goal start I'll take it uh, and that's what we've got we can score goals and, and we will score there. there's no two ways about it so they'd better have the shooting boots on as well otherwise they'll go out in front of their own fans Brilliant assessment, um, and I agree with everything you said. The one thing that possibly um, I don't agree with some City fans on is the fact that even though I'm a tribal City fan, we all are, um, I I can't tell you how much I enjoyed the game. And even though it ended up being 4-3 and could have, should have, would have been something else and could have been out of sight, and obviously we all think about the second leg, I will remember that that 4-3 victory against whatever happens next week. And that's not to say that I don't want us to go through, of course, but whatever happens next week, I won't forget that game for a long, long time. Were you able to to compartmentalise it and enjoy it in that way, Gary, or is it just about the result and getting the job done? Well, of course, enjoyed it because because we won. Like I said, right right at the beginning, enjoy it every time we win. But what will stick in my mind is is that we could have had eight. And that is not that is not a throwaway comment. We could and should have had eight, and we let them off the hook. But that's been the story of our season. And I'm not going to go down the line. Oh, if we'd have had a centre forward, no, it's not about having a centre forward. It's about people who get into position. Mares goes through. He should pick out Phil Foden. He doesn't. Uh, De Bruyne puts in Phil Foden. His first touch is normally superb. In this instance, he lets you go crossing that makes the angle more difficult. He knocks it past the far post. Mares gets through again, one on one with the keeper. You can blindfold him with normal score that. He hits the post, comes out. All right, it comes out. The keeper's nowhere. Phil Foden, who you'd imagine has got the most beautiful touch, he's only got to guide it into an empty net. That Cavalier, whatever his name is, who was the right back, he was almost on his backside, going backwards to try and stop it. And look, and Phil managed to hit him and he cleared it off the line. So we can go on and on and on of chances. You know, there's probably more than uh, another four chances that would have. Um, that we can talk about. So what will I remember if we don't go through is that we should have scored eight against Real Madrid and scored four. Do either of you, the other two of you, Mark and Paul, you think this, I mean, we all, I'm not saying I disagree with what Gary's saying. I'm not at all disagreeing, but are either of you able to enjoy it like I did and take from, from it what I did, which is I saw a great game of football. Or is it just about the result and winning and taking chances, Mark? Well, I'm a little bit like Gary. I go to the game to to hopefully see City win. I'm a supporter. You know, I go. I could go and watch another game and relax into it. I'm not a relaxed football fan when I'm watching. We could be 3-0 up and I'm stressing that they're going to get a goal back in every match. So win, win, win is everything. I actually had a bit of a warm glow about watching a fantastic match afterwards. 
But during the game, I, so I'm a bit between the two of you. I did think, God, what a privilege to have watched such a fantastic end-to-end game of football. But it just, just a, a burning disappointment that it was such a brilliant opportunity to batter Real Madrid, the Champions League. We used to be just like almost glad to play them um, and play these types of matches. And now we play well. And Gary's right; the whole season's been a bit like this. We can't moan about it. I mean, the seat, we're going to. I mean, we're going to have a phenomenal amount of points. We've got to the semi-final of the Champions League. We might get to the final. So you know, but we are making so many chances and not converting enough of them as a ratio. And if we if we do that, whether it's with a centre forward or not, uh, we're pretty unstoppable when when we convert more chances. We even missed chance against Leeds this weekend. Even when we scored four, that could have been uh, even more. So I kind of agree, but I did enjoy. I came away afterwards thinking, "What a fantastic game!" I was privileged to be in the ground. What about you, Paul? <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm. I agree with both of you, to be honest. And the way I look at it is this: Well, when when I was at the game, when I was watching it, it was. It, it, I came away. How can I say disappointed? Because I thought we should have been four 0 up at half time. To be honest. And then we, like Gary said, we could have gone to um, gone to Madrid, and I'd have been that sort of relaxed. I might have even bought you a pint again. So that's 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 how how I felt. But then afterwards, when I reflected back on it, I was like, wow, what a game of football I've just watched there. That was, you know, that was amazing. And you know, if we strip football right back, it's an entertainment, and that's what we go uh, to a game to be entertained. And sometimes, I mean, this this comes back from when Kevin Keegan was in charge. It was a mentality of, you know, we'll 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 score four, but we'll score five kind of attitude. And it was breathtaking to watch. But tell you what, I had no fingernails left or anything when he was in charge. So it's <clears throat> it's one of them. It's first and foremost, I want to win because I'm obviously a City fan and I want them to win everything. But sometimes when I strip it back, I think, wow. That was that was something special, like the atmosphere and, and everything else. So, you know, you've you've got to you've got to take it all. And I take I take on board both of you what you're saying. And at different times of the evening, I felt more stronger towards one opinion than the other. To be honest. Fair enough. I mean, Le- the Leeds game to me, uh, moving on to that one in the Premier League, felt a little bit more old school. If I'm being honest, I mean, I've been to Ellen Road on many occasions uh, when it's been pretty awful you know it's been a scary place to go as a supporter and we originally the fans that is were in the Lowfields Road stand which is now this impressive um, cantilever stand if I want to use that old expression Uh, then we were behind the goal for a while all of this big gap of course in in games and uh, yesterday we were in the old main stand the the ground has changed quite a bit uh, the fans have changed. I mean, we didn't have sort of fighting in the streets and blood everywhere, thank thank goodness. But there was still a, you know, very boisterous um, sort of banter between two sets of supporters. Uh, I was obviously not far away from Mark, actually, in the away end, and we weren't too far away from the most vociferous of the Leeds fans. But as much as they might be rivals and they might be a team you don't like or a club that you don't like, what you've got to hold your hat off to is that they were right behind the team and created a, an absolute racket. So did the City fans, amazing racket in the, the away end. And because of the nature of the ground, of it being a little bit older, a bit more main roadish you know, new bits, old bits, and they were fighting for their lives. And even though 4-0 is a very, very good victory for City, of course, a big margin of victory, which possibly slightly flattered City in the end. I don't think you might disagree with that. But certainly um, Leeds, I thought, put an awful lot of effort and commitment into that game. Probably too much when you look at uh, what happened to Dallas and his challenge and hope he's OK again, you know, but but that terrible injury to at Dallas. But that showed how much it mattered to them. And when you look at what's happened to today as we're recording this, Everton have, have beaten Chelsea, Burnley won at, at Watford. Leeds are right in the relegation battle, fighting for their lives. And they gave everything. And that that absolutely felt like an old-school game. And, and uh, I've seen what, a couple of comments you've made, Mark, on social media, so I'm, I'm guessing you're going to agree with me on that. It felt very old-school, didn't it? Yeah, it was old-school. It was It was great to be back at Ellen Road, but um, I'm, I'm so glad it wasn't as dangerous as the times I've been before. It, was, it just wasn't the same outside, I'm delighted to say. But inside, they just make such a racket. I mean, 3-0 down, 4-0 down, the ground was still full. 
and it's the only place in the entire world that would do one of those mosaics down the side of the ground. And it just said, Yorkshire. I mean, how <laughs> funny is that? It's brilliant. You know, not, none of these, like, you know, Latin phrases or we stand together. It just said, Yorkshire. And you really knew you were back at Ellen Road. <laughs> Ian, but of course, Ian, they, Ian. they then created all those missiles for the fans, didn't they? Yes. Ian, you know you'd be in Yorkshire because there'd be a pint with 11 straws in it. <laughs> what did you think of the game, Gary? I mean, were you, at, you weren't at Ellen Road, were you? No, no, I watched it on the box from a boy and, um, I th I th I, you know, Cheney, the referee. Oh, shocking. never. He should never referee yeah. another Premiership match. He shouldn't referee any match. And I'll tell you why. Uh, Grealish was fouled consistently. Um, Dallas, who was who went off with an injury that he caused himself, had, had had five fouls against him. I would imagine all five against Jack Grealish. He got no protection whatsoever. Um, his understanding of the game, Tini, was, uh, was abysmal. So the challenge that he put in Dallas... Uh, that's probably put him out for the season, maybe longer. Let's hope not, but he did. Was a reckless challenge. If he would have, if Teeny would have dealt with the challenges that were going in, maybe Dallas, maybe Dallas might not have made that challenge. Yeah. I believe he wouldn't have done. He should have had a yellow card before he didn't. Jack Grealish was given horrendous treatment by the Leeds players, but in general, our team was given terrible challenges, letting go. And and to sum it all up, just to put the tin hat on it, right at the death. And I had to watch it. I kept re just to watch it, rewinding it. When Raheem Sterling was pushed quite clearly in the back, I mean, it wasn't like a nudge. He pushed him with his left arm, sent him sprawling, teeing it from outside the box, a clear view, went like that. Mm. So he's, he's not qualified, apart from putting the referee's kit on, to officiate any professional match. And, and why, why this has not been mentioned, there was a great article by Andy Dunn. Um, I don't know who he writes for, The Mirror maybe. Andy Dunn wrote a great, and he was, my exact sentiment is what he says. And if you get a chance, read it. It'll be online somewhere. Exactly. He could have stopped this at word go. And the reason why we couldn't get into our, um, our rhythm and, and we couldn't play the way we wanted to play because we were being fouled most of the time and the referee just let play on. I'll give you another example. Jack Grealish, he goes past, I don't know who the right back was then, Ailing maybe. Then he gets towards the box. He gets spun nearly off his feet. He gets back up, credit to him, he didn't go down, which was a complete foul. The referee allowed play on. Any, any referee with common sense would have said, right, OK, it's a free kick, we'll bring it back. Because that's what they're supposed to do, bring it back. If there's an advantage, play an advantage. There was no advantage because he nearly knocked him off his feet. He tried to stay on me, went down, got back up, and Leeds got the ball away and he played play on. That scene, you know, if I could speak to him, I'd tell him. I'd tell him, mate, you're in the wrong job, mate. You, you're an embarrassment to your profession. Is he at the end of his uh, career? Does he finish this year? Well, I, well, let's hope so. Yeah. I remember him. <laughs> I've got a feeling he's on the beach already. Yeah, well, to, to be fair, I think that Tierney um, made made some town halls when we played Liverpool a few years ago. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. didn't give, yeah. So so for me, the, the, the refereeing at Premiership level has absolutely de deteriorated beyond, beyond all... Because players need to be protected. They could be protected. And and some of the challenges that was going in, all right, listen, City may have put a couple of challenges in, but they whatever it was, you've got to get you've got to stamp down on it. I believe Dallas would not have made that challenge on Jack Grealish if he'd been booked. And he'd had five already before that. So what what gets me is they, they're going about um, players diving and falling over. Oh. You can understand why they dive now because if you know unless unless Grealish stayed on the floor, he'd have got a free kick if he'd have stayed on his floor on the floor. But you're not you're not awarded for trying to stay on your feet. You know he should have you know he, like you said, Gary. He should have you know the the incident was I think it was on the left hand side, wasn't it? And he and he, and he went down it and he, he he swiped his legs from underneath him 
he stayed on his feet and and it went nowhere. So you bring it back, you take it straight back to where it, a foul, foul is a foul. foul. Exactly. A foul. Exactly. A foul is a foul. Now, if if Raheem Sterling gets pushed in the middle of the park in his back, it's a free kick. Yeah. If he gets pushed in his back in the penalty area, it's a penalty. There's no difference between getting pushed in the penalty area, getting pushed on the edge of his own box, on the centre circle, wide on the left or in the corner flag. If you push somebody, it's a free kick. If you're in the box, it's a penalty. So for teeing it to weigh play on it and quite clearly see it, that tells me he either doesn't understand the rules of the game or he's blind. He didn't he didn't even give him a second yellow, did he? Didn't he didn't give him a, a card for that challenge that he got stretched off for, did he? He didn't get booked. He weren't booked no. all game. He no. had five no. he had five fouls that that I would imagine all five of those fouls before that challenge deserved a yellow card. He should he should do have gone remember, off. Do you remember when we played um Tottenham? And I can't remember who the uh, the black guy that played at the back, the right back. He fouled. He, he had six fouls in the first half, and got man of the match and never got booked. It's just amazing, yeah. absolutely amazing yeah. refereeing. And we wonder, and we wonder why we get on the backs of them because they're not they're not good enough to do the job. It's like picking a player that goes out there, is out of his depth, is a is a League Two player playing the Premiership. You can see it. He's out of his depth. Sorry, mate. He can't play. He bottled it for me. I think he oh. bottled it. He he bottled it in front of the atmosphere. I think he, he could well, see he, him. That says another reason why he's incompetent to referee mm. at that level. Yeah, he's incompetent, and yeah. it was proven. And I will say to anybody and anywhere, because nobody's going to tell me how he performed was right. And if you if you get a chance, read the Andy Dunn. Um, uh, it was my exact sentiments, and I'm so glad that he was at the game and saw it. And he had to report on it and reported exactly the way I um, uh, I saw it as well. Despite all that, which I don't disagree with, um, questioning of the referee, etc., City showed a side of the character like they did against Atletico Madrid that can now stand up to that. They're not a soft team. We know that they, they ooze quality, but they've now shown a bit of character and that surely is going to stand them in good stead in the four final Premier League games and whatever's left of the Champions League because that's what we've needed in this team isn't it a little bit of of you know standing up to people and and when when things are going against you and injustice is happening rather than just sort of lying down and capitulating I'm not saying we've done that quite like that but we haven't shown sometimes enough backbone, you know, in tough situations. I, I'm liking what I'm seeing at the moment in that in that regard. Who are you speaking to, Ian? Anybody. Well, <laughs> well, for me, um, Jack Grealish, Jack Grealish, I thought he would have got tugged at half-time. Why? Because he'd, he'd been kicked up and down Dale and he reacted and Pep was going mad at him to not react. He reacted in uh, Madrid and he act, and reacted there. What we couldn't afford... Yesterday, when the score was 1-0, to, have, to go down to 10 men. You can't afford to do that. I was really surprised that he stayed on in the second half. I thought Pep wouldn't have risked it, it's, you know, it's, especially with we're going so close in the season and get sending off where we could lose another of our players. So that's um, uh, a surprise. But listen, when Fernandinho's on there, there's no day. Listen, he, he stands his ground and, and he has a very good memory. I was reading the things today about that Hoiberg that... Um, uh, when he was at Southampton, and, Fer- and Fernandinho, obviously, he, I think Hoiberg got his uh, a red card playing against Fernandinho, and then um, uh, he got another one, I think, when he played against him later. Anyway, in the first game of the season, I think, uh, at Tottenham, he said that Fernandinho went right through him. Didn't just go through the ball, went right through him. So he got up complaining to the referee, and as he walked away, uh, Fernandinho just run past him and said, you've got a good memory two years ago. When when he clobbered Fernandinho, and as he went past him, which is that is old school. We're talking about old school. He gave him a good. He went straight through him. I mean, really could have hurt him. He said he was a leg break. Hoiberg said, uh, but those that play have to pay. Those that those that put their finger in the fire expect to get burned. So he took on Fernandinho, and Fernandinho must have clattered him properly. <laughs> and as he got up, he, he went past him. And it is old school. As he went past him, he said to him, "Remember two years ago." Yeah. And he, he said he had to laugh, and his his respect for Fernandinho went. He said, "What a man!" He remembered two years, but listen, that is old school. Yeah. What have we learned yeah. then from the from the last week? I mean, does does that 
Phil, you, I mean, what I've certainly learned is that Pep's team in the last couple of matches has been a bit more predictable than normal. I mean, I called five changes. I, thought, I called all five changes for that game at Leeds. And I would imagine, obviously, that we're going to see Kevin De Bruyne, Bernardo Silva, um, you know, come back into the team. I wonder if Zinchenko is going to play at left back again uh, from the start, I mean, for the Real Madrid game. Uh, Riyad Mahrez will come in on the right-hand side. You're going to see all those changes again. So that tells me that Pep now knows that, I mean, I'm not saying he didn't, he took Leeds lightly, but certainly, you know, he sees the Real Madrid as the big one. I mean, I, it's definitely my gut that City's main aim this season Pep's main aim is to win the Champions League and he will pick his strongest 11 for this second second leg next week. So no Grealish, you know, um, probably no Ake. You know, there the, the will definitely be those changes that I've spoken about. Is that the way you see it as well, Mark? I Well, yeah, I, I think he trusts the players he brings in. And, I, and I, you know, sometimes you get legged up with that kind of thing, like the semi-final against Liverpool. But um, the the game against Leeds, Gary's dead right about uh, Grealish could have been uh, taken off at half-time or soon afterwards. But I kind of like the fact that he's obviously said to him, go and get out there, do it again. And Grealish actually had a great second half without delivering a goal or delivering an assist. He kept taking the ball in dangerous in wide areas and taking two or three of their players towards him. He didn't half get marked closely as well as kicked. So I actually liked the way he just kept going and he did get his head a little bit better. Obviously, once Dallas, Dallas was kicking him every time he got a chance. So uh, in a strange way, I don't wish ill on him, but it was good that Dallas went off for whatever reason because uh, he was continuously getting away with it and he didn't get the same treatment in the second half, not quite as bad anyway. So I liked his attitude, Grealish. And I think every single player that comes to us, he has to go to pep school for a year. And Grealish is exactly that. After this season, I think Grealish will be... He's done all right, actually, but I think he'll be a right player next season. And I think this is all part of learning how to play as part of this team. You have to you have to learn how to be a team player and a squad player, and I think Grealish will be better for it. Paul? Yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, <clears throat> City's got some steel about them now, haven't they? Um, you know, we used to be very pretty footballers and uh, lovely touches and, and knocking things about. But with, uh, with the likes of Diaz and Fernandinho, um, you know, Zinchenko likes to mix it as well, I think. And, you know, they're not scared of a bit of a bit of a battle now. And, um, you know, he sends that signal out that if, you know, you, we, we can play nice football. If you want to mix it, uh, bring it on, you know, because we can mix it as well. And um, there's some, some clever players out there. Like Gary said earlier, Walker, um, you know, he's, he, he's very clever at getting away with some sort of... Um, Dark arts, I think we're probably best calling it, and he, he will let his opposite number know he's been in a game. He let you know he's he's there, um, and it's great. You know we can do both now. We can we can have the beautiful side, and we can also have the um, the the old school um, nasty streaking, as which is great to see. I don't want to spend too long looking ahead to the second leg of the Real Madrid game because it'll date very quickly, depending on when you listen to this podcast. But but just on that subject, um, how how confident are you now ahead of the the Real Madrid game? I mean, I I think this is uh, more challenging actually than the Atletico Madrid. We had a took a one goal advantage to Madrid last time. It was only about three weeks ago, but. We're over there ordering our drinks in the same bar that we'll be in this this coming uh, Wednesday, Paul. But you know, it does feel as if uh, this one's a tougher challenge. What What do you three think, Gary? What, what What's What's your instinct on this one? I'm I'm, I'm sure we'll all say that City are going to win, or clearly we're very hopeful they're going to win. But do you think this is tougher than Atletico was? Well, it's it's a tougher challenge because um, Real offer more of a goal threat than what Atletico did. Plus the fact is, Real have won the Premier, uh, have won the La Liga, and Atletico hasn't. So I think they're in about fourth. I think Atletico. So you're playing against a better team that's proven all season. You know they won the game, uh, they won the league, the La Liga with four games to play. So you know they've done their job, and they're the outstanding team in Spain, which has proven, which has been proven by uh, where they are in the league. Just as Liverpool and City have proven that they've been the best teams of the Premiership, because you can, you know. There's a point between both of them, so yeah, of course it'll be more. It, it will be more difficult. I think they've got more people 
uh, a creative than what um, uh, Atletico is. But like I said, right at the start, Ian, I don't care who it is, with our squad that we have and whatever team that, that um, Pep picks, and you would imagine, as you've already highlighted, no De Bruyne, no Silva, no Mahrez. You'd expect them to start, maybe even Zinchenko to start. So you can almost know the team is going to play. I would, I would be confident taking on anybody giving us a gold star. Nobody can give us a gold star, I don't believe. I don't believe in this, in this day and age now that with the squad, the manager, the determination, that somebody can give us a gold start and beat us. We will score in Madrid. We're not going to be like we were under Pellegrini, where we played Madrid over two legs, never had one shot on target. Uh, I mean, on one, you can't even class it on target because he took a deflection from Sergio that, that as Aguero that landed on top of the roof of the net. So, yes, we will score there. So they're going to have to score. They're going to have to outscore us. Um, but give us a goal start, I'll take it. And I want to be there when, when we go to the final. I want to be at the semi-final when we qualify for, for the final. That's why I'm making the effort. Yeah, I'm... I'm um... I'm never overconfident because uh, I'm never overconfident away at Leeds, alone away at Real Madrid. But I do think that the defence should be the defence we ended up playing against Madrid at home with Fernandinho having to play right back. The back four will be stronger, and therefore I can't see us conceding loads of goals. Like we will be tighter basically at the back, and the goal threat going forward will be as good. It will be the same if uh, so. Yeah, we're we're capable of getting a good result in Madrid. And you, you probably wouldn't have said that even two or three years ago. But I think we can say that with this team now. We're capable of going there, getting a draw, getting a win and going through. We're capable of it. We've still got to perform to our best. And they're no mugs, you know. They'll, they know how to win these types of games. So there's a bit of know-how. But so do we now. You know, this is a, we're in the semi-final for the second year running. And if we beat these, we're in the final for the second year running. And it's it's all progress. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not greedy about... Um, getting to cup finals and winning things. You don't, we don't deserve it just because we're a good team. You have to earn it. You have to go out there and prove it. And this team can do that. I just hope they do on uh, Wednesday night. Oh. Yeah, it's, <clears throat> we, it, the, the problem was we, we the, the attacking threat were brilliant. Um, defensively, we were a bit naive, I thought. And um, we, we'll, we'll tighten that up, obviously. Um, so basically, if we tighten that up, they've got to score two goals anyway. Um, I can't see him scoring two more goals than us. We're gonna score, so you know, I'm 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 old school. I'm very um, I don't like sort of saying oh we're through and I've got my ticket booked for the final and all that, because you never know because they have got a goal threat and as we saw they can score from nothing, um, you know they score from from anywhere and from nothing. They've got that kind of uh, players, but um, I'm quietly confident, you know, if it was. The first goal is going to be very important. Whoever scores that first goal, it's going to it's going to set the pattern of play out for the game. And if they score the first one, then it's going to be it's going to be all out in it. It's going to be it's going to be another another uh, four three again, isn't it? I think it's going to go crazy. Well, we'll Ian, Ian, yeah, Ian. Just let me just say one thing. There are three goals. If we analyse it, let's just let's just look at the three goals. The first goal. I mean. Um, it's it's one that can be avoided easily. It's not even a dangerous cross in the box. On his left foot, and he guides it in the net. He, he should never have been allowed to have even got his foot on it. It was an armless ball. Okay, he, he, his weaker left foot he put in. The second one, I still cannot believe that I saw what happened. Okay, he did Fernandinho on the halfway line, but he runs from the halfway line, and nobody goes to close him down. They let him run into our near enough our six-yard box yeah. full of puck. Nobody makes a challenge. Your first, your first call is, say, right, let's cut him off at the pass. He's got to beat me. Uh, and guess what? If he doesn't beat me, I'll do the Fernandinho and we'll tangle and I'll get a yellow card. That's what happens. And so you don't worry who's behind you because Inchenko was behind Laporte. So Laporte should have gone across, not let him get into the box, faced him at that box that would slow him down a little bit for other ones to get back. And then it allows you to run all the way from the halfway line, which I still can't believe now when I see it, with no challenge, nobody coming across and lets him slide it into goal. And the third one 
We win the header and he puts his arm up. So all three goals were without doubt avoidable. They weren't creative where they cut us apart and, and really ripped us apart. Just absolute mistakes that, that you don't see. And we've conceded goals, but we're still probably in the Premiership have conceded less than anybody in the Premiership. Apart from playing Liverpool when we have seven changes, and I still don't understand why Pep did that, in the semi-final against Liverpool that they played the, the strongest side. Um, three against them, and then we score, uh, we, we can see three against um, um, Madrid. But in general, in general, we don't concede a lot of goals. If you look at our away games in Europe, we've probably been better away from home than we have been at home. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Very, very true. <laughs> Right, yep. before we come on to the ticket subject, which I promise we'd talk about, let me just quickly ask you this one. Um, I suppose it's a, a non-City one to begin with, but it does lead back to City. Jurgen Klopp has signed an extension to his contract this week. Uh, he says that offers the club stability and obviously our City's main rivals at the moment. Um, I suppose most of us would rather he hadn't done that. At uh, the moment, uh, certainly judging by what Pep said on Friday at the press conference, um, Pep's postponing any talk of extending his stay until the summer. He has one more full year to go on his contract at the moment. And my son said to me today that the first rumours of Pep being prepared to sign a new contract are circulating. Um, perhaps, perhaps this is a good one for Gary to start on. I mean, the, the City... Do they have to? Do they feel that they have to react because because Klopp's done that, or or are you quite cool to sort of see what happens? Because I wonder whether Pep is just thinking, well, maybe it depends if we win the league and the Champions League, you know, and if we don't win anything, does that make him more likely to sign, less likely to sign? How necessary is it that Pep reacts now to what what's happened at Liverpool? Listen, I don't believe anything that we do is what happens at Liverpool. It makes a difference. I think what happens with us makes them react. I don't think it's what they do that we react. Um, we all know we want, we want Pep to stay. Pep has said all the way along he feels at home here. He likes the lifestyle. He misses the sun, of course. But guess what? I'm not from Madrid. I'm not from Barcelona, but I miss the sun. So, um, <laughs> but he will. He's had this in mind, and, and and he will sign. There's no two ways about it. Because otherwise, if you don't sign, Harland. Haaland will only come if Pep Guardiola is there. And you understand why. Of course he will. He's not going to come to us as if Pep Guardiola is not there. So is, as I read, that it looks as though it's all going the right way and he is coming to us, that just rubber stamps me that Pep Guardiola is going to stay. You, you, say, you say that, Gary, but Uwe Rosler was on the podcast a few weeks ago and he insisted, when I asked him that direct mm. question, and he has contact with Alfie Haaland and his team, Team Harland, as he calls them, and, and he insisted that his decision to where he goes next, whether it be City, Real Madrid or whatever, would not be dependent on who the coach was, but it would be about the ethics of the team, the direction the team's going in, the style of football, and not specifically about the coach. That's what he insisted. Well, by the way, everything you just explained is because of the coach. Yeah. Everything you've just explained is because of the coach. And, you know, I love Uwe like a brother. I mean, we're really good pals. But Uwe, did his nose nearly come through the screen when he told you that? It was a Pinocchio. <laughs> you know, is he going to is he going to go on a podcast? And if he's good friends with Alfie Arlen, tell you or tell everybody what Alfie Arlen's told him? I don't think so. And Uwe, remember, you listen, have you never met him? He keeps his cards close to his chest, so he's not going to... He's not going to come clean on somebody else. Uh, Ian, I will, I will bite my own backside if Pep doesn't sign and, and Harlan doesn't come. The only reason Pep won't sign is if Harlan doesn't come. If Harlan comes, Pep stays. If Pep stays, Harlan comes. If not, you're going to see a contortionist in me. Do <laughs> <laughs> you want to add anything to that? Uh, well, I won't be biting myself on the bump for anybody, but <laughs> I will say that I'm slightly... Um, like astonished that we've managed to, if Pep does sign a, uh, an extension, I was really happy to say, look, he's come, he's done, he's changed the club, he's made football better in uh, in England. Uh, if he wanted to go after one more season, he'd have my best wishes and I'd just say thank you and we'd move on. If we get him for another season, two seasons, three seasons, I'll be deliriously happy and I'd consider us the luckiest club alive. We must be doing something right for him to 
um, to enjoy his time here. And it and you know it's it's all about what he wants to do, isn't it? It won't be about money because he can get uh, he can get loads of money somewhere else. He's enjoying, it. and it's all about the football. You know, all about the involvement he has with the um, with the other members of the backroom team. All about the squad he's developed. All about the players that it looks like are coming. We know Alvarez is coming. Uh, with a bit of luck, Harlan comes. You know, fancy managing that team next season if we get those if those two players are available to you, in addition to the phenomenal midfield and defence we've developed. It's like a dream come true for him to manage them and coach them, I suspect. But I'm just massively grateful. I would have been I would have just said thank you very much if he'd have gone at the end of next. If we get another two years, I'll be in dreamland to be honest. Not much you can add to that, Paul, I don't suppose. Uh, no, I mean to be honest, um, it's Pep's baby, this, isn't it? Um, you know, he's he's got the backing of the fans, he's got the backing of the board, he's got he, he's. Why would you walk away from this? He's got everything he wants, like Gary said, apart from the weather. But if he does his job right, he gets to go to Spain like we do on Wednesday, so um, he can have a bit of sunshine there, can't he? So happy days. He, he, it's like Elon Musk turning round and sort of, you know, getting rid of all his electric cars and going diesel again. And, and deciding he's not going to go to uh, the, the moon. He, it's not happening. He's, he's, he's not going to pull away from this project because he absolutely loves it. And it's only getting better. The project's getting better. The players are getting better. You know, how many goals were scored by City teams yesterday playing yeah. the pet way? You know, I, I, I think was it 13, the under-18s got or something like that. The ladies scored a load. And it was, it was a, a magnificent weekend for Manchester City in all teams and because they're all playing the pet way it's simple he's going nowhere whether Ireland comes or not um he's you know we'll see um but it's all good in it fancy being a united fan right now oh. <laughs> yeah the difference is i would never want to be fancy being a united fan i know wait a minute they've got a big game against brentford tomorrow night oh yeah I mean, oh yeah. I get, I get, I get <laughs> you know what? Guys, Brentford on a Monday. Guys, just let me let one second. I would love that Ten Hag, whoever his name is. I'd love him to be taking on United, playing in that Conference Europa. I would. I would pay for that yeah. for him to come along, put him in that in seventh position, in that Conference Europa Cup. Oh God, there is a lot. <laughs> hey, you know what? The, the, the final of that next year might be in North Macedonia, and I'm not. No, 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 no. You got to understand, it's at Worsley. Not Worsley. Not Worsley. I'm trying to workshop. I think it is. Workshop. <laughs> it's, it's on the red wrecking Blakely. <laughs> right, let's change subjects as I promised we'd talk about tickets. I'm going to read this statement out. This is from the 1894 group, who mm -hmm. are the city supporters who congregate behind the goal. They try and create atmosphere and everything. So they, they speak for a lot of fans uh, who you'd call maybe legacy fans or certainly the passionate fans. Let me read this out because I, did, I retweeted this, this the other day and asked fans what they thought. This is a statement. Like drizzling Manchester in a Manchester summer or a 42 bus, like clockwork, another season price rise for City and so-called legacy fans has come around. Whilst the club has profits of 2.4 million and loyal fans are suffering from the worst decrease in living standards since 1956, ticket prices have increased 11 out of the last 12 seasons. However, fans' pay packets have not increased in line with those increases and the cost of living has increased every year. This, along with the hardship of COVID, uh, this is an unjustifiable increase in pricing and shows little thoughts for fans uh, whilst providing a minimal increase in revenue for the club we love. A reduction in pricing would allow more fans to attend matches, ensuring a loyal and loud support of our beloved city, allowing the next generation of Blues to watch football as it's meant to be inside the stadium with like-minded people. Football without fans is nothing. Did the club speak to fan representatives about this increase? Is this another decision taken by money men within the club similar to the European Super League or the relocation of fans without consultation to allow new corporate areas for advertising boards to be installed? Fans are struggling daily and for our mainly working class fan base, such a rise is unpalatable, unfair and in no way justified. 
We ask the club to reconsider this decision and at the very least engage with supporters' organisations to explain the logic or lack of it behind such a decision. We are 1894. That's their statement. Um, and when I put that out on my social media, I would say it, the uh, reaction to that was split 50-50, or roughly that, between some people saying nothing wrong with putting the prices up, the, the club's getting better, and, it, and that's what it's worth, and half of the people agreeing actually with that statement. They mentioned in that statement fan representatives. Well, Mark, that's what you are, um, City Matters Committee. So you're my go-to man now to... Tell me what you think of that statement and what City have done and maybe give us a bit more detail if you would. Yeah, I like 1894. I like I like what they do. I like what they do for the club. I like all the stuff that they do to get the atmosphere going. I think they're great. Um, the City matters that I'm involved with is a bit more boring. You know, it's a little bit more on committees talking to the club. We're a bit more inside the club, I suppose. Um they didn't talk to us about the price increases. They don't talk to us about everything, and they don't pretend they do. We certainly can't have a veto. It's up to the club to decide what things like prices are. But I was bitterly disappointed that they put the prices up this season. Um, when, and this is my personal view, um, it, was, it was unnecessary. That's what it is. So we understand that the club's getting better. The football's fantastic. It's worth the, a lot of the money that people pay. But I just thought they could have taken the high ground a little bit here when we've got a real cost of living crisis, people struggling to pay bills, and everybody knows that. But when you talk about people saying like 50% of people think that it's a justifiable increase and 50% don't, the 50% that do might be able to afford it, and maybe the 50% that don't can't afford it and can't afford mm. to um, pay the extra money when they're already paying a, a lot of money to watch football. And our support is, is, all clubs are different. Our support is a relatively small number of people who go to loads of games. We haven't got a massive big reservoir of supporters who come for loads of one-off games. So people who go to a lot of games, the 36,000 people who have a season ticket will go to a lot of games, a lot of cup games at home, Champions League. There'll be people going to Madrid this week who are going to be paying hundreds of pounds. So the club could have helped a little bit taking the moral high ground and not increase prices this year in the current climate. The amount of money they're raising for a club of our size, the bills that we've got as a club, is tiny. But it's a lot of money to the people who have to pay it. And some people are paying as high as 7%. The, the, uh, the, the figure they've talked about at the club is 3%. That's the average. So some people are paying 7%. And that's unnecessary. And they could have looked good. It's just such a shame. I wish they'd have tried to look good and look after the fans. <coughs> Paul, have you got a view on this? You're a season ticket holder, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, mine's gone up a tenner. Um, I think my season ticket's 725 quid now, I think. Um, again, I, I, I'm in a good position. I can, I can afford to do that. And, and like Mark's just said, you know, I do do the European trips with you, Ian, and you see the same faces on them. And, um, you know, and, and, and that's great. But it'd also be nice to see some some other faces on there as well. But let's have it right. It's 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 ten pound, so that's it's not much per game. Um, and the the other way of looking at it, the cost of living's gone up. So you've got your gas, your electric's gone up. I got the football. I set off about nine o'clock in the morning. So when I leave the house, everything's switched off. So I'm actually saving money by going to the football <laughs> and watching it. So. Um, I take my phone, I, uh, I plug it in, I, I can charge it up at the charging point, so it saves electric there. So, you know, there's two ways of looking at things. Um, you know, I, I do jest a little a little bit on that, but, um, yeah, we could have not put the price of the season ticket up, but it's got, mine's gone up £10, so that's not even a pound a game. Yours is low, actually. Most people have got... so. That's if you pay seven hundred. That's like one and a half percent. Yours has gone up. Yeah. So, but some people, yeah. it's, so some people, it's gone up seven percent. Yeah. So that'd be the equivalent of seventy quid to yours. Maybe, yeah. maybe fifty quid to yours. Yeah. So in some areas of the ground, they put them up quite a bit. I think you've you've uh, you've uh, fallen a bit lucky there. It's not gone up too much for you I've, by the sounds of it. I think it's services rendered because there was a lot of singing in our bit, and it's it's oh, hard work. Yeah. So we 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 earn our money down there. Yeah. So. It's, it's difficult. 
I mean, Steve did a lot of good things, so I've said my my piece. I think it was unnecessary. So, yeah, you're right. I'm going to be balanced. We have a £299 season ticket for adults. Not many people can say that. We have a vast range in prices. Yeah, so you can pay 900 quid for a seat on the side, or you can pay the 299. You can pay four, five hundred pounds in different parts of the ground. And a lot of the other clubs um, that we might be compared to these days have a very narrow band. You know, their cheapest one might be six or seven hundred quid up to nine hundred, a thousand. So you know, the, you know, and there are lots of other things they like the free kids zone um, and the city square. I think is a good thing. You know, not everyone loves it, but I think it's good, and a lot of people do. So I'm, I'm really not slagging the club. I think the club's great in many ways. I just think they could have looked better this one season, post COVID. Bills going up for gas and electric. They could have just, for the sake of a fat half a million quid, yeah, on a multi-billion-pound company, they could have looked better. And if I'd be there, if I was in their communications department. Um, I'd be telling them, let's take the moral high ground here and look better. That's the main reason I'm upset. And you know what? If, if half a million pounds is the extra revenue that they're going to get from these price increases, if we're to believe what we read, that's one week's wages for, Al- for Alfie Harland's son yeah. when he, uh, he signs in the summer. So that's what will annoy people, I suppose. Are you allowed to? Can you have a, a view on this, Gary? I seem to go older, so it affects me as well. I mean, Colin Bell level twos. I've got some tickets in there, so yeah, it affects me. But I, yeah, I agree with Mark. I think, I think with what's what's gone on in you know with the cost of living and uh, you know we said about gas, electricity, and everything else, and uh, you know and Paul saying he goes and plugs his <laughs> plugs his uh, phone in at the charging point, turns all his electricity off. <laughs> well, Perhaps when you've got me, if you come shopping with me as well next time. That'd be a treat. Uh, but, I, you know, I just think, I think because the club always, as I've found ever since the owners have been in there, the club always look to the fans to see what their reaction is. Now, so maybe the reaction is 50% okay, as you've said, Ian, and 50% not. I just think... As it as what is going on, because it's not just about get it's not just about gas and electricity and everything. You've got to get to the game as well. So if you drive, you know, it, it was an all time high for uh, diesel and for petrol or whatever. So the whole shebang has become very very expensive. Um, and you know, and listen, we all want to get to semi-finals and finals, but it comes with a cost, and it it is it is outpricing. I don't care who you support. I, if you're going to Madrid one week and then you're going to Wem- uh, in the same week going to Wembley and then you've got an away game after, I mean, it had to, I don't know. I mean, we spoke about this before we started the podcast. I don't know how most people can afford to go to all the games. And they say the empty, uh, the, the empty ad because the seats, you know, the blue seats and all that stuff. Well, I just don't know how people can, you know, even if they want to go to a game, to get there, park up, Pay for your tickets. And the club have tried by giving kids a pound and all that stuff to encourage this. So, you know, I'm off with Mark a little bit. If they'd have held their prices this season, I think it would have given them a good, uh, you know, a good pass on the back from a lot of people. You know what I mean? Because I think other clubs, other clubs have not raised their prices in, in many years, but maybe those other clubs have not had the success that we've had. So you're paying for something you don't enjoy watching anyway. We, but we made, with us, we enjoy yeah. it. We made two and a half million pound profit in the year when we had no fans in the ground. Yeah. So if, you, if someone's doing something right in terms of making of away from ticket sales and food sales and all that, so we've made profit on that, you know, wage bill and all that kind of mm. stuff has gone up. And we've made pro- and then we've got the Champions League format. Now I'm not a big fan of the changes, but in terms of revenue, the income coming into the club's going up forty percent because of this mm-hmm. new Champions League deal. When do the supporters get a bit of a benefit out of that kind of thing? And you that's some- all that they could have they could have done something for the support there. And I'm still going to push them to do it next year. But we'll you know see. something, Mark, and I just say this because the club do normally learn from the mistakes because. I think before we played Madrid, when we had Atletico first, before we played Real, sorry, we had Atletico. And some of the pricing for that was wrongly priced. And the club realised it and adjusted it for the semi-final. So the quarter-final was more expensive than the semi-final because they realised 
they just all they'd overpriced it. So somebody said, "Hang on a minute, whoa, 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 let's readdress this and made it more." Uh, more feasible okay some of the corporates and because obviously i work in corporate uh, is some of the corporates was as cheap as as when we play norwich at home which is a category c game so they realized for the atletico they did wrong but they put it right for um for real madrid which made it that everyone was was full as we saw of course you do um so uh, maybe uh, well i don't know as um I think Paul said that his has gone up a tenner. I can't think for one second in Colin Bell level two that mine's going up a tenner <laughs> somehow. <laughs> no. Just as to finish this podcast off, um, I know that Mark put a message out in Solid Citizens, the Facebook page, a little earlier on. And let me just read out a couple of people's comments there. Uh, Steve Seacombe says, I think personally, uh, prices should be coming down as it was historically always a working men's club. Well, they're pushing the working men away with £60 ticket prices. Season tickets are good value, but not for general match day goers. Maybe ask what's going on with the ticket office. Does it seem to be getting any better than the beginning of the season? Or he says it doesn't seem to be getting better. Declining cards, seats double sold. Thanks, Mark. You do a great job. Before you answer that, Chris Phillips, I think you should bring up how the club did um, on or about the increasing corporate expansion forcing people to move from seats they've occupied for years effectively the people forced to move will be put forced to pay more and whilst corporate might sell out for the top games it certainly doesn't for most of the fixtures leaving empty seats um, and Bainey says thanks mark i'd like to discuss two things stadium expansion what is the view of the fans do we want this and two platinum should this be scrapped or do fans think it's still a valuable addition and dave wallace who we all know is the editor of king of the kickbacks what is the waiting list like for season tickets and there's a whole lot of Blimey, I'll, ba- I'll bomb through them we don't have a waiting list for tickets for season tickets people who are on the um who are members yeah get the opportunity so there's not a lot of clubs have a waiting list we don't so if you what they, what they call a match day member so you buy a membership for 30 quid, they get first dibs on any season tickets that become available. Corporate areas, there's two types. People get a bit confused, if you don't mind me saying. The corporate areas, which we might think of, where you have a bit of something to eat and you come through to a posh seat, that's one. We have these other types, which are they call, which are almost like premium seating. And all you get is a great view, a programme, a pint and a parking space. Now, they're expanding that because that's massively popular. That sells out. They tell me, they tell me that. So, and that's what they've just announced. They're going to extend. There's 300 season ticket holders being asked to either pay more than double for the same seat. They get a program and a pint of parking space, or they'll relocate them. So they are expanding that because it's very popular and they can make more money. Basically, what I'm annoyed about is they told me, and this um, I remember it vividly they wouldn't expand that provision until there were more seats available by the extension of the North Stand. So they haven't done that, and they've done it, um, they've put the arse, uh, they've put the nail more around, they've got it the wrong way around, basically. They should have extended the North Stand first and then done corporate, did these hospitality seats, and they didn't. So I'm a bit annoyed that they've gone back on the word about that, but North Stand expansion is still on the table, I believe. I'll try not to say arse again. <laughs> we know uh, you didn't mean anything bad. <laughs> Listen, I'm just going to um, say that's easy for you to say. <laughs> I just want to say thank you very much again to Howard Solicitors in Ashton, Stockport and Cheshire. They specialise in criminal defence law and motoring offences and offer legal aid at police stations and courts. They're open 24 hours. They're always available to answer your call and turn out to the police station to represent you. So remember this. Call them if you're facing any type of police prosecution. 0161 872 9999. Obviously, Mark now might get some sort of prosecution yes. for saying that. Uh, so thanks very much to, the, to them for supporting the podcast. Yeah, Gary, see you out in Madrid. Um, you will uh, you'll hear me if you don't Paul, see me. Before that, I'll see Paul before that um, on the way to Madrid uh, via Barcelona this time. Um, and thanks very much to, uh, to Mark for coming on and 
for joining us again and, and being our representative on, not just for us, but for everybody on City Matters. So uh, thanks very much to everybody for listening. Remember to share it and tell everybody about it. And remember one thing, if you only remember one thing from this podcast, it's great to be a blue.